What a song. I love the Christmas songs. And one thing that will really kind of bum me out is if I watch or I go to a service at Christmas time and they don't do any of the Christmas carols, the, the, one, the great ones. The, they, but, however, that doesn't mean that there aren't some fantastic new ones that we need to add to our songbook. And this is for sure one of them. Sing we the song of Emmanuel. I think we did it about every, I think it was last year or the year before, we did it every Sunday in Advent. That was like when Mike and I first discovered it. Um, and we just love it. it the, um, let's see, let's see who's been around. Who's been paying attention? I'm looking around the room. Oh, Penelope has been. I got a hand raised. That's really bold, by the way. You don't know what I'm going to ask. All right. Don't put anything on the screen yet, because that'll give it away. Let's see if Penelope remembers. Penelope, sing me the song of Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? Ooh. Okay, well, ask the friend in front of you for a, a, a help. You have friends to the front or to the left of you who probably know. Quick. Say it, Drew. No. God with us. That's right. God with us. As we go through this song today, we're going to write down a few things, and then we're going to sing it again at the conclusion of our worship. But I hope more than that, I hope you will take it with you, and I hope it will be a spark to really help you sing that Gloria from your heart. That's really my goal for the time we spend together here looking into this song. We learned last week, and Drew, this is your excuse. You might have been with your fiance and her, or your family last week. Last week, we did O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. It was all about that word Emmanuel, which means God with us. In fact, last week, okay, if you like this kind of thing, uh, you, you might get a kick out of this. In this hymn, last week we talked about the, the hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. There's seven ancient Old Testament words for the Messiah that are sung in O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And at least five of them are in this hymn. If you want to put a star or an asterisk next to them, if you really don't care, that's fine. Just kind of go, go with me and in 20 seconds I'll be back. Uh, Emmanuel is the one, God with us. There's another one, the promise of dawn. Remember what that, that refers to? Oriens was like the old Latin word for it. Or day spring, that's right, or morning star. Remember the ancients said, we're looking at the horizon. We're waiting for that morning star. Not the sun rising, but the capital S, sun rising. We're waiting for the day when the Messiah will come. And they call him as the day spring or the morning star, that promise of dawn. God most high refers to Adonai, the Lord. The word was Adonai. There's God most high. What else was in here? The king. Remember in the, in the old O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, one of the verses was O Come, King of Nations. King of Nations was one of those verses. And then as Len read from 1 Corinthians, wisdom. Wisdom comes in the second verse. Oh, what wisdom to save us all. Oh, what wisdom to save us all. So anyways, we're back to uh, now... If, those of you who aren't into trivia or things of that nature, we're, we're back now into the mainstream here. So here we go. Because we got one more word in this, uh, in, this, in this very first verse 
of Sing Me the Song of Emmanuel that we have to make sure we're all on the same page of and we understand. Some people think, and don't put this one up on the screen either, I'll see who's with me, but some people think that Christ is Jesus' last name. But that's not true. Christ was not Jesus' last name. Penelope, you want another shot? No. <laughs> no. How about Anna? You want another shot? Any of your friends? No? No? Well, you're going to pay attention because you're going to learn something and you can, you can impress and amaze your friends and family with Christ is not Jesus. You've heard Jesus Christ, right? Christ is not his last name. Who knows what Christ means? Do you know what? Well, you don't know. Skyla, what's Christ mean? Coming back to life? That's a great answer because Jesus did come back to life. That's a great answer. But that's not what the word Christ means. Christ means, there you go, Janet knows. Christ means Messiah or Savior. And she's got the whole, the whole next slide down. Because Christ, go ahead and put it up now, is the Greek word for Savior. That's what it means. It's Christos is the Greek word for Savior. Now, or Messiah, well, what the heck is Messiah? Go to the next one. Messiah is the Hebrew word for Savior or Christ. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The New Testament is written in Greek. So that's why you have those two different words that are used interchangeably. And so in English, we don't always just call him Jesus Savior. We could. That's what it means in English. Go to the third one. That's what it means in English. But we use the, the traditional Greek or Hebrew words because they sound cool and because they're important. I don't know. Jesus Christ, Savior. And so this is what we're singing. This is the first two lines already of this song. Sing we the song of Emmanuel, which means God with us. This, the Christ or the Savior who was long foretold. The whole Bible tells the story of a Savior. Well, it tells the story, first of all, it starts with why we need a Savior, that the world is broken, lost, dark, and so is your heart, and so is my heart, and we can't save ourselves. We're in a real bind. We're in a real pickle. Jesus says we are, in fact, slaves to this thing called sin. We need a Savior. The Old Testament talks about that Savior is coming, sets the expectation, and then he comes in the New Testament, and the New Testament ends by saying, this is not the end. He's coming back. He's coming again. So this song we sing about the Savior who was foretold, the Savior who was um, uh, yeah, prophesied about. Um, one more word in that first two lines that I want to um, harp on, if I can, just a minute, and that's the very first word, sing, sing. We the song of Emmanuel. It's not just enough to know the story or to go through the, the, the motions of the season or to come to church or to pray, to give presents, to decorate your house, to set up the Christmas tree. No, it's not enough. We have to sing because Christmas is the season for evangelism. Christmas is the season for evangelism, and that's the one theme I'm going to come back to here as we end this song together in just a few minutes, that Christmas is the season for evangelism. Well, what does that mean? You know, Christian, if Christmas is really true, then what that means is that there really is a God who cares about this world. 
Moreover, if Christmas is true, God really is going to make all wrongs right. Anybody have wrongs in their life right now? Things that are just not the way they're supposed to be? Does anybody have one or two of those going on right now? Okay. If Christmas really happened, if God really came to us, you know what that means? Those wrongs are temporary and they're not wasted. They're not for nothing. And that's worth getting excited about. At least once in a while, don't you think? Oh, but think about the the opposite of that. If Christmas isn't true, if God didn't really come to us, if there is no God out there who really knows us and cares about this world, there may not be a solution to the problem of pain. There may not be any rhyme or reason to it. Your life and mine, are they meaningful or meaningless? And how on earth do you know? If Christmas didn't happen, we don't know. If Christmas is not true, then you may as well deck the halls and have tons of presents and do stuff like this because that's all you got. But Christmas is true. There is a God who sees you and who cares about you, and not only you, in your and my lowly state, I mean, who are we, right? Just Joe Schmo, whatever. But a God who cares and who sees kingdoms, governments, the highest, most powerful structures that we've built, militaries, economies. He sees it all, and he cares And not only does he care, but he is not powerless. He is not powerless to help. He is not powerless to get involved. In fact, fact, he is so committed to help that he emptied himself of all the glory that he had in heaven. And he took on flesh. He took on flesh. And you just can't hear that enough. You can't hear me say that enough. Isn't that worth getting at least a little bit excited over? Isn't that worth singing about? If anything is. We talked about the World Cup here with the band before service. And man, those fans care. I can't get over just the weeping for both winners and losers. The weeping that these people... And they sing? Oh, do they sing? Because they think they have a reason to get excited. They have something to sing about. Do you? Do you have something to get excited about? Do you have something to sing about? 
And isn't it worth proclaiming to folks who don't yet know or who don't understand, who think that this world is all there is or that the problems that they have in this world are the only things that really matter? Isn't it worth giving them a bigger picture and telling them the truth, just telling them the truth that Christmas happened and because Christmas happened, the second Christmas is going to happen. I'm not sure if I've ever said it that way before. The second coming being the second Christmas. Blaze, is that theologically appropriate? You think so? Oh, you have heard that before? Okay, cool. I got permission. <laughs> Christmas is coming again. And that's reason to get excited too. I like how your kids' message lined up with that today. Thy kingdom come Thy will be done. And if Jesus prays a prayer like that, you know it's going to happen, don't you? You know it's going to happen. Now, if you're able to get at least a little bit excited that God has come, he's come to us to set the wrongs right, then this song can really take that spark and start a fire. Start a fire in your, in your mind and in your soul. The way it does this, the way this song does this so brilliantly is to highlight all the things about Christmas that just don't make sense. Maybe, maybe it's bad to say they don't make sense. The things about Christmas that just really surprise you, that take you off guard. Things that you just can't make this stuff up. This song highlights that so well. That's why I asked Len to read the text that he read today. I'm going to read it to you again from 1 Corinthians 1. Uh, Paul writes to his, his audience, Where's the one who's wise? The scribe, the debater of this age. Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? God's wisdom, so hot, so much higher, so much bigger. He's made foolish the wisdom of the world. For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. The folly of what we preach being, well, he's going to say in a second here, Jews demand a sign, Greeks demand wisdom, but we preach Christ, which means Messiah, which means Savior. We preach our Savior crucified. Huh? We preach our Savior crucified. Executed by the state. Huh? You see? You hear it all so often because you're believers, you're in church a lot, you're in your Bibles a lot, that it just doesn't even phase you anymore. But it's, uh, it's kind of wacky, right? It doesn't make sense. But, 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 but look what Paul says. He says, God, God, this is just how God loves to work, through the folly of what we preach, God's chosen to save those who believe. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. As we look at the next couple verses of this song, we see how beautifully these writers describe just the irony, just the blah, what, of, of, of Jesus' kingship. It just shouldn't make sense, except in a perfectly holy way, it makes too much sense because nobody would have made this up. <laughs> Big reason why I remain, I don't know if Jed's going to talk about this in his class, but this is a big reason why I remain convinced that 
the biblical story of salvation through Jesus is, is, is true. <laughs> you can't make it up. It's just, you can't make it up. Look at the lyrics uh, that I've got in your bulletin again, uh, and we'll see some of these uh, ironies, some of these just surprise twists, and maybe you'll put brackets around them in your, in your notes page if you want. I saw a few, uh, and it started in the verse that we already sang, God most high in a manger lay. I saw a meme this morning, somebody in their front yard put a manger, and then like a sign that said the first, what did it say? Uh, the world's first king-size bed. That's what it said. Yeah, but um, kind of cute, huh? Anyway. God most high, though, in a manger lay. What? Does that even make sense? Great and glorious love has come to us. We're not great or glorious, but love has come to us. Now look at verse 2. King, a king who came but with no crown. Or throne. Helpless he lay. <clears throat> I don't have a slide for this one, I don't think, because I missed it. But helpless he lay. Who? And look at your words. The invincible. Helpless he lay, the invincible. Just let that sink in for a second. Maker of Mary. Mary's son. There's another one in a song. I think we'll sing it on Christmas Eve. Um, Labor of Love, talking about, it's an Andrew Peterson song, talking about one of the lines is, <clears throat> Mary's holding the baby. No, no, she's pregnant with the baby. And she's, the song, the singer is singing to Mary, the little baby in your womb is the maker of, your, of the moon. Because shafts of moonlight on his face, that's how, on, on her face, that's how it goes. It's so beautiful. Shafts of moonlight on her face, but the maker... The, the, the baby in your womb is the maker of the moon. Ah, isn't that cool? Shepherds and sages. Shepherds, almost the lowest profession you can go. Sages, kings, wise men. Like they, they, they come together to recognize his kingship. Grace and majesty, what humility. Which one is, uh, is your favorite? Which one is your favorite? Worth uh, meditating on, worth thinking about for sure. The third verse, the first verse I told you, Christmas is the season of evangelism, starts with sing. The third verse here, all about it. Now we've worshiped, now it's time to go. We got to tell, tell somebody. Go spread the news of Emmanuel. Joy and peace for the weary heart. Lift up your heads for your king has come. Sing for the light overwhelms the dark. Glory shining for all to see. Hope alive, let the gospel ring. See, every word is out, outward focused, evangelistic. God has made a way. He will have the praise. Tell the world his name is Jesus. God has made a way. He will tell the world... His name is Jesus. Christmas, tis the season for evangelism. Christmas, tis the season for... Now, what do I mean by evangelism? I was talking about a few of these things. I had lunch with Micah this week, who maybe you're watching Micah. Hi. His kids, uh, one of his little kids sick this weekend, so prayers are with you. Uh, but we, he asked me what I meant by that term evangelism. It's a wise question, important question. 
Do you mean holding a sign on the street corner? Do you mean door to door, knocking on doors and, you know, are you saved? Do you know Jesus? Da -da 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 -da. However you want to do it. Da -da. Repent now for the end is near. That's not precisely what I mean. It might be. It might be, but that's not what I'm talking about when I say Christmas tis the season for evangelism. When I say that I'm talking about this, I mean that Christmas should light your evangelism fuse. It should mean that, 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 that Jesus should really be on the forefront of your mind. If Jesus is on the forefront of your mind, then in your relationships, you will be a natural evangelist because you will be talking and about him and about the, what the Christmas season means and about what where I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was this way, but now I'm this way. You'll be talking about what Jesus is doing and has done in your life. It's really a matter of identity. The angels burst into song, they're singing Gloria, and in this song, I love the, the, the Gloria, I could sing it all the time, I love hearing my kids walk around the house, because we play it on the Alexa thing, the kids walk around the house singing Gloria, I love it, Gloria, Gloria, uh, it comes really from this sense of identity, from who I am, from who I am, and the farther my, my sense of identity, there's a lot of layers to my sense of identity, right? I'm a, I'm a pastor, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a father, I'm a brother, I'm an uncle, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a sports fan, I'm a musician, I'm a whatever, all the things that make up who I am, right? All different layers. This is my question. How far do I have to go down the layers of my identity before I get adopted son of the king? How far do I have to go? How far do you have to peel back the layers? The people that know you, how far, how many layers have to get peeled back before they see that this person loves Jesus, that this person knows, has been with God, that this person, right? How far? Because if the layer, you see, in the, that's what the donkey says to Shrek in the movie, right? The, the, the ogres are, are, are oh, no, the ogre says it to the donkey. The ogres are like onions. They're complicated. You've got to peel the layers back, right? Are you like an onion as a Christian? Or is, that, or is your identity as an adopted son or daughter as the king the outer layer of your identity? The outer layer of the onion. Because if it is, you won't be able... I won't have to give you uh, classes and lessons and books and strategies about evangelism. Not that there's anything wrong with those things. They can be really helpful. But I won't have to do that if the outer layer of your identity is child of the king, redeemed, sinner saved by grace. If that is the outer energy, then it will affect every single aspect of your life. And so this song, Christmas season in general is a, is a reminder, is an idea, is an opportunity to get back to that, to make sure that, that, that Christ is as darn close to the outer layer as we can get. And songs like this in particular really help us to remember it. And when we listen to them again and again and again, it has the effect of if my Christ identity is towards the middle of the onion, it has the effect of pushing it closer to the outside. And those other layers of identity, they don't go away. They don't go away, do they? I'm not, not a, a, a nephew or an, or an uncle or, or, or a pastor. or a, I'm not, not those things. But what happens is my identity is beloved child of God. 
my identity of beloved child of God, saved by grace, sheer grace, that uh, supersedes them, doesn't it? It supersedes them. It, it, it comes over them. It becomes more important, and it becomes more, more apparent to you and to everybody in my life. That would be my prayer for all of us today.